everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fry Dates with the Wife. In these episodes, my wife and I offer an entrepreneurial couple's perspective on living a more fulfilling and meaningful life. We share our little humble opinions and hopefully make you laugh as we navigate the ups and downs of being entrepreneurs and parents. And speaking of fulfillment, if you want to hire me as your coach, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on the call to see if we are a good fit to help you create and design your dream life and business. That's robshowcoach.com. Before we get into today's Friday episode, our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind event will be in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the F1 race on November 16th to the 19th. These trips are designed to get you out of your day-to-day around some amazing entrepreneurs and provide bucket list experiences that will have you coming home re-energized to grow your business and bring your life to a whole new level. Head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly Harvey Firestein, good morning. Hi, how are you? It's I'm so glad you said Firestein and not the other one, the bad no. one. Did he die? I don't know. I think he might be dead. I don't care. Uh, why Harvey Firestein? Harvey Firestein, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, is most known for playing the uncle in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the Robin Williams movie. Boy, do I miss that man. Um, and he has a voice. It sounds like this. Every time you hear that voice, it's Harvey. You do a pretty good job of that right there. That was pretty amazing. <clears throat> Thank you. And you're, you're, the reason you're talking about him right now is because he's top of mind. You're currently reading his book. And right? the name of his book is one of the, I'm, I'm collecting book titles right now or admiring book titles. And the name of his book, let me remember, is I Was Better Last Night. <laughs> so he's a playwright. And um, he found that all the actors who would come to see him or, you know, see his show. And whenever they would talk to the actors who were in the show, uh, they'd say, how'd you like it? And the person would say, oh, it was fantastic. And they would invariably all say, "Ah, I was better last night. So the book is a memoir of his life and it's a fantastic book, but that's not the reason. No. We are gathered here today. We are gathered here today to discuss. Oh, you're looking at me? To discuss. Oh, okay. I got the cue. Uh, So we are going to talk about three rituals that we do every week. And they're kind of in different genres of our life, which is good, right? So the first ritual we're going to talk about, we've been doing for, I don't know, the better half of 400 years. And it's called the morning questions. We've talked about this before on previous episodes, but we're going to highlight it again because even though we've been doing it for so long, like Rob, I remember doing morning questions before Sophia was born. I remember doing morning questions, walking with her stroller through Buckhead where we used to live in Atlanta uh, doing morning questions. And now we're doing sitting at the cafe in Italy. 
and they're phenomenal. All right, so why do morning questions and what are they? Before I get to the what are they, let's get into the why behind it. If you've listened to Joe Dispenza before, um, you'll understand his philosophy that we are, we 99.9% wake up and do the exact same thing we did yesterday. We think the same thoughts, we wake up, we feel good, but within 10 minutes, we're like, oh, I'm supposed to be upset about this. I'm supposed to be worried about that. Oh, I got this thing going on. And before you know it, you are reproducing exactly what you did yesterday. You know, you get that great restart, that great sleep, but before long you do it. So these morning questions are designed to help interrupt that pattern so that instead of bitching and complaining about the stress and anxieties that are going on in your life, you focus on things that are going well. And it's it's a bit of a challenge because, you know, if you're anything like me, you want to talk about how awful everything is, right? And you want to talk about what a challenge everything is in in your life. I get that from my mother. How busy you are. How busy I am. Uh, you can see that that's a personal one, Kim and I battle. <laughs> um, and these questions force you to start your day in a different place. That's number one. Number two, particularly, I know there's a lot of couples that listen to the show and- we're fucking busy as people, you know? We got a lot going on. I, I got to get to the dry cleaner. I got to get to the kid. I got to go to, to back work. Back to busy. Back to busy, right? I got to get back to busy. I never heard that. That's good. And it's really easy to get disconnected from your spouse in as much as, or in as far as what they're thinking, what's on their minds. And, and if before you, you know it, 15 years goes by and you don't know you, the person across the table from you anymore, right? No, I, you know, I just, I had a, I had a beautiful conversation with your, with your aunt and uh, she's been married a long time and she's had, you know, a bunch of kids and stuff. And, and uh, she just did a road trip with your uncle and, you know, she said, we really reconnected and we, we rekindled. We were afraid being locked up in an RV for a couple of weeks. We were going to kill each other, but we didn't. And I think it is, it's a 50-50 shot. You know, when the kids leave the house, you look at each other, go, who the fuck are you? Let's get divorced. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't even like each other anymore. We don't know each other. So these questions are designed to mitigate against the, the inevitable separation mentally and emotionally that happens through busyness. So if you're solo and you don't have a partner, they're a good check-in for yourself. And if you have a partner, it's a good check-in for yourself, but also it, they they begin to facilitate conversations. Like, and we're, we're going to tell you about the questions in a second, but they're really basic. They're really not that complicated. But I often, when Rob and I do it, we'll get to like the second or third question and it's like Pandora's box, you know? There are some days we just bullet through the questions and and all is good. And then there are other days that one of those questions will spark a deeper conversation. So it's not necessarily just trying to bullet through the questions. It's where's my headspace in these different areas and us really connecting and understanding that about each other because it helps us, oh, I didn't know you were feeling that way. Let, let's let talk about that, you know? And the, and sometimes you need that, that um provocation, I don't know, to yeah, be able even, to, yes. to to spark these conversations. Yes, and even more than that, what I find interesting is to see what is top of mind yeah. for the other person as well as yourself. So this is this is one of those things where it is 
these are great questions to ask of yourself. And it's for me, it's even better to do it relationally. So Tony Robbins, we didn't even give him credit. Tony Robbins is the one who came up with these. And, and again, they're, they're not really design- simple. You're going to listen to this and you're going to be like, these are the magical questions. There's seven questions and they will seem to you to be, as Kim said, very simple. But I want you to notice the nuance in each of the questions, because it's easy for you to say, didn't you just ask me that? But there is a slight nuance if you really step into the question and try and answer it. Okay, so with that really fucking long um, introduction for these questions, I think what's a good way for us to do this would be for me to- Let's just um, alternate questions and answer them. All right, and we'll, we'll do it. Let's do it as briefly as we yeah. can because usually, I think it, I think it may be boring for you to listen to it. Yeah, really long. So usually, let's, usually though, you typically go through all the questions for me. You read them to me, I answer them, and then I read them to you, and you answer them. That's how we play the game. So what we're about to do now, where we're alternating questions, is not how we play the game. That's what I'm just... All right. So these will be all linked in the show notes below. And it's very important that there are two sub-questions that are associated with each question. It is very important that you ask those sub-questions. All right. So the first one is what are you you. most happy about in your life right now? I am most happy that I get to live every day in Italy, walking these cobblestone streets. What about that makes you happy? It is the daily interaction with the characters. (laughs) I'm going to call them characters that I encounter the the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the Cosimo Medici that walks by with his glasses half down his face and a in a killer tan by April. It's it's the I feel like I'm almost in a play and it's like a choose your own adventure though. And and I love it. It it keeps me on my toes and it just fills my soul. And how does that make you feel? This is a culmination of a dream I've had since I was 16. So it makes me feel like, number one, I accomplished it. And two, that it lived up and exceeded every expectation and it it fulfills me. All right, next one. All right, Robert, what are you most excited about in your life right now? I'm most excited that we just booked Greece. And what about that makes you excited? I love waking up in the morning and getting up a bit before you guys do, getting down to the gym, uh, saying hello to all the the breakfast people uh, that are gym, our friends. Hold on. And by the gym, do you mean- The, where broom, you, the where, broom closet? Where you bring your yoga mat in front of the church, <clears throat> the Greek church outside? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I go into a broom closet. I take my yoga mat and I go outside to the church and try and uh, get a little functional workout in before the sun burns my face off. <laughs> um, and I like saying hello to uh, all the uh, the Greek people that are uh, taking care of all the breakfast people that are not there because nobody shows up for breakfast until noon. Um, and I love the smells um, that are there. I don't know, there's something about smells. I, I, can't, I don't know what it is. It's the trees or something. I love how it's not humid as long as there's a breeze blowing. 
Uh, I love how I feel in the morning. I love that we stop and get Cora's products, um, those Greek products. They just feel good on my skin after a shower. They're like, they don't work anywhere else but Greece. <laughs> There's something about it like that, that it's just Google them. They're amazing. Well, don't Google them unless you go into Greece. Um, and that's my answer. Go ahead. And how does that make you feel? Alive. All right. Number three. Number three. What are you most proud of in your life right now? Right now, I am most proud of Sophia and how she showed up to <clears throat> run uh, at the biathlon yesterday. She had never run 200 meters. Uh, she didn't even know what 200 meters was, but she was so excited and she showed up. And when I saw most of the kids running out of steam and kind of barely walking, like shuffling towards the end, I was worried for her, but she powered through and she finished it. And I was so proud of her. And what about that makes you proud? Because in that moment, I was, I learned that she's not a quitter. And how does that make you feel? Like she's not a quitter. Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> and you'll see as you do these, sometimes you're like, I, like she answered yeah. the second part of the question in the yeah. first part because she's now a trained SEAL and she knows exactly what's coming. Yeah. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? <sighs> okay. So this, this one here, this is tricky. H hit the word most in these questions hard because as soon as she asked me that question, 20 things came to mind. So most isn't, grateful. But isn't that a beautiful problem? It's, it's a great problem. What am I most grateful? I am most grateful for our family's health. Mm. And what about that makes you grateful? I mean, like if you don't have it, like mm -hmm. what the fuck do you have? How does that make you feel? Grateful. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to get hit a road mark. Sometimes you'll answer it differently and sometimes you'll get there. But you know what? It makes us laugh every time. You ask All right. Me. Next one for Number Kimberly. five. Number five. What are you enjoying most in your life right now? Hmm. I am enjoying sunset. Every day, if you follow me on Instagram, pretty much every day, I post our sunset because... There is something about how magical Mother Nature is <laughs> that this beautiful sun, and there is something about the Tuscan sun, how it goes from bright to yellow to orange to red, and it dips over the, the bridges and behind the mountains in Tuscany. And there's just something about it. And it, in particular, the home we live in right now in Italy, we live on the Arno. So we, the sunset is so spectacular and we're only here one more month. And so I want to soak in every single sunset. Okay. So now you'll hear that she answered that in great detail. She already answered the second question, which is what about that yeah. are you enjoying? So it's not necessary to ask it again yeah. because she's now starting to get trained that she knows it's coming next. So she's She's compiling them together. The last part of the question is, how does that make you feel? Alive. Okay, number, number six. Number six, what are you most committed to in your life right now? Mm, that's a good one. That's a great one because it, it, lets, it really lets your partner know or you figure out. I am most committed to writing a book. Mm, I love that. And what about that makes you committed? That I feel like I have something to say, although I don't know what it is. Um, 
<laughs> literally just went to take a sip of I water. Like, I can't wait till you read this book. That's going to be the, I my favorite I feel like I have part. something to say and I'm discovering what that is right now. Um, and oh my God, I, this has to be actually written into your book. I, I do. <laughs> I feel like I have something to say. Um, and uh, that something that I have to say is loosely around it it absolutely kills me to see people in never-ending struggle that isn't making them happy like there's there's one thing to be in struggle to in pursuit of a bigger thing that they really, really want and that brings them alive. And you probably wouldn't even call that struggle. But when I see people that are just unhappy and I know that there are that that there are things that they can do to live a life of more fulfillment, it kills me. So the book, I feel or hope, will assist them. And how does that make you feel? It makes me feel, con- I don't think this is a word, but contributory. Okay, very good. Last question, question number seven. Who do you love and who loves you? Okay, well, that's questionable right now. Who do you um, love? I love you. I love Sophia. I love Demi. I love my parents. I love your mom. I love my friends. I love Italy. And who loves me? I think all of those people, for the most part, love me. All right. So those are the seven morning questions. Now, you can imagine that if you started your day, how long did that take us to do? Probably 15 minutes, somewhere in that range. Um, We had to go through a lot of explanation. We had some fun around it. Uh, Do we do it every morning? No. Do we do it at least once a week? Yes. And I would say on average over the years, depending upon where we are in our life and what's going on, it might be as much as two to three times a week. So I would suggest that you do this in some form of a ritual. Um, It could be if you take a walk together at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, or if you have coffee in the morning, wherever that window is. And if you don't have that window with your spouse, create one, try and find a way to figure out how to do it. And if you're if you're entrepreneurial enough, if you're aggressive enough, if you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative enough, you can find a way. Well, so on that, just real quick, you were working in the clinic mm. uh, after we had Sophia and you would leave at like 6.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. seven in the morning or whatever. And we were looking for a pocket. And so what we figured out is I could get up early throw her in the baby carriage and we could go for a, a walk together to do it mm-hmm. at least once a week to get it done. Um, and then we would do it like on Saturday, we you did. know, as an, as a second day. So now, th- now also what you could do with these is it doesn't have to be what is in your life right now. It could be like, it could be future manifestations. Mm-hmm. So like when you think of excited, like I remember you're making me have this vision of walking around Buckhead with the stroller and thinking about this. And when you asked, what was I most excited about while we were taking the walk, we would be talking about traveling, you know, taking four months traveling in Europe. We would be talking about living in California or whatever it was. So the excitement can actually move into a manifestation. It doesn't have to be like, if you don't have 
you know, a whole lot of exciting things in your life right now. You want me to talk? You want me to handle it? Okay. All right. So that's the first ritual that we do each week. The second ritual is more recent. The second ritual is called date day. So I can't remember if we've talked about this before, to be honest, but it's possible. So forever we've had a date night. And that's very common for couples to have this once a week or or once a month date night, whatever it is that you do. We decided, well, actually, you know, the irony is, I think this subject came up during a morning questions. And we decided to switch or add a date day because I sort of felt like date night is... <clears throat> You know, we get a babysitter, we go to dinner, and it's a meal. And although you can have more conversation when you don't have the third person, little munchkin that says mommy, mommy every six seconds, and you can get full sentences out, even though you have that at a date night, there was something about spending an afternoon together doing that an activity that hits different. And so I was really missing spending time during the day and having conversations and doing experiences with my husband. So I think one morning at Morning Questions, this kind of came up somehow and we decided to institute a date day. And so we'll do something, we'll mark out, let's call it four hours and we'll go do something together. We'll go walk around the Boboli Gardens or we'll maybe just puts our way through a museum. We're not taking an art class. We're not, you know, with our art tour guide that we do. Those things don't really count. We're just mindlessly and in a fun way doing something that is different than our typical day routine. And then we usually go to a lunch during the afternoon, have a glass of rosé. And it somehow just hits so different than a date night. You know, look, every time that you start something like this, you're not gonna have it down pat. It's not gonna be perfect. So it could be that you are able to say, I, I can't do a full date day, but I could do a date hour. I could do a date two hours. There's something magical about doing it during the day. It's a little, it's a little different. It's a little more surprising. It's a little bit more you know, holding hands on a Wednesday morning as opposed to, you know, Wednesday night when you have your date night. There's just a little creative aspect about it that feels differently. And particularly when you're doing it with some activity like walking through a garden or going to a museum, it just feels differently. And if you're working a like a full-time job, you know, obviously we have massive flexibility in what we do, but if you're working a full-time job and you have that hour break, even if it's once a week that somehow you guys, you and your partner can meet up, connect and do a picnic you know, in a park, just something that's out of the norm, I think really is, is fun and it's interesting. And if you do have more flexibility in your schedule, doing different activities, I think is fun. So, all right, number three. And number three is dinner, five questions with Sophia. And we do this at dinner. So, 
Rob was seeing that we'd get to dinner and Sophia would be bored or, you know, begging for an iPad. <clears throat> sort of. That's not, that's not how it started. The way it started right. was she Scratch could, that. She came home from school one day and I said, um, how was your day? And she went, fine. And she walked away. And I was like, okay. And every parent who has a child has had this exchange and every human being who went to school did this to their parents yeah. and it just doesn't work. And for some reason or another, we think that it is okay when we become an adult to ask the question that we didn't want to answer when we were a kid, but it isn't. And so um, the best source for me of information is TikTok. And I got a, I watched a TikTok from a dad who said, stop asking your kids how their day is at school. Instead, do this. You know how they have that kind of vibe, right? So he said, Instead, ask them questions that are weird. Who's the kid on the bus that farts on the school bus? And uh, you can get as creative as you want with these questions, you know? Who's the kid that's the teacher's pet? Who's the one that runs the fastest? You know, you have to meet them in their world. And, not, and it's not just about other kids at school. It's also, you do teachers. Any, anything you want. But give, could, give the, give the kind of elevation of this, or evolution, I'm sorry, of this. Because you went from kid questions to teacher questions, and now you're doing observational questions. It's so it started with getting her attention by asking things that I know she wants to talk to. Kids love to talk about their friends. It is the thing that is on their minds and is, you know, it's peer pressure, it's tribal, it's all kinds of things, they right? They also love potty humor. They love funny fart jokes, right? So the more of that stuff you can do, the more you're going to get their attention. There's also a little bit of a dangling hook. And uh, so instead of doing those questions after school, we do those questions before we eat. Now, the dangling hook is Kim and I would also like to have a conversation and we can't have a conversation when she is um, antsy at the end of the day and she wants a little, you know, she wants, she wants to do something herself. So uh, we'll bring an iPad after this ritual is done and we will hold it as hostage <laughs> and we'll say, okay, five questions first, which what we're really doing is milking as long as we can with her to facilitate conversation. Now, sometimes at the end of those five questions, she'll say, I don't want my iPad. Ask me more, ask me bonus questions. And sometimes she'll just forget about it entirely and we'll just go into a whole conversation about something that was triggered during that conversation. Or sometimes she'll say, oh, I wanna ask you a question now, mm -hmm. okay? So it is a icebreaker for a seven-year-old. I mean, I don't know how it's gonna work at your next dinner date with your friends, but I think it's a really good one for kids. No, but I think it's great. And so you start with friends, you started with questions for kids, right? Or about her friends and her school day in an interesting, fun way. You asked questions about her teachers. Which teacher do you think dances the best? You know, and what what do you think your which teacher would color? be the weirdest to see outside of school? Yeah, things like that. And then now, because he's asked all of these questions, we do this every dinner. He's doing observational questions. Like last night, he <laughs> she was sitting there, and he said, "You can't turn around, but what is the object sitting behind you?" And it, it's teaching her to be very observant and it's interesting. Or they'll play, um, you know, look at this painting on the wall and I'm going to ask you questions about it, you know, and then she has to close her eyes and he asks questions. And she, it, they're games and they're fun and they're interesting and they're observational and about friends. 
And like you said, what I love is when the questions, like our morning questions, end up evolving into something, some greater conversation. And it's really a beautiful thing. And then (laughs) there are nights where we sit down and she goes, okay, now I'm asking you five questions. And it's great to see what's on her mind and what she wants to know about us. Like this morning we woke up and, you know, all of these things kind, all, all of these rituals we're giving you are things that we also include her in often. And at night before she goes to bed or in the morning, I'll ask her, um, what are you most grateful for? What are you most excited about? And what are you most proud of? So like an abbreviated version of the morning questions we talked about. And this morning we were laying in bed and Sophia came into bed with us and she said, okay, daddy, three things you're most grateful for, you know, three things you're most excited about, three things you're most proud of. And then mommy, you're next. And then she asked me and then we asked her. And that would not happen if we weren't one consistent doing it. And two, if we didn't share this with her, this uh, type of um, personal development, let's call it, with her. And, you know, I did, I was, (laughs) I've been trying to do a real about this for like a hundred years and it just never comes out right. But, you know, as a 43-year-old person, when I think about what I've learned in my adult life on in personal development, I didn't start personal development until I met you. So let's call it 25 years old, okay? So personal growth started for me at 25 to 43. I have a lot of tools in my toolbox now. If I had a third of those tools when I was a child or a teenager, I just think about how less stressed I would be, how I probably would have a bit of a different outlook on life. I would have ways to help my friends. And I think there's so much value in sharing these tools that we learn in our personal growth journey with our kids. And this morning was a beautiful representation of that where she came in, she provoked the questions and she's fully engaged in it. That's great, that's great. These are the three rituals we have. So just to recap, Tony Robbins morning questions, you'll see them in the show notes, Uh, day date and our Sophia five questions at dinner. There you have it, everybody. Have a great day and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.